You are listening to a sermon podcast from Kingdom City. We pray that over the next few moments, you will be blessed, equipped, and empowered to bring the reality of God to your world. Welcome to church wherever you are. I am so glad that you joined us. I'm Mark Lassie and I'm part of the team here at Kingdom City and I am so excited. Just last week, I was watching some TV with my wife and we were watching this show called The Living Room. And it's a great show. It's one of the uh, family shows, home improvements, and they have a bunch of segments. But there was one segment that really captured my attention. It's a story of a family that was in Sydney and they had two daughters. And over the COVID season, when there's been so much lockdowns and isolations, they took the opportunity, these two young daughters, to do some baking. They baked all day. And the reason why they baked is they wanted to give their neighbours something just to say that they care. Not only did they take the time to do this baking, but they also wrote these handwritten letters. I was so impressed. I said to my wife, how on earth do you get kids to do that type of thing? They also not only did baking and wrote handwritten letters, they actually paid for all the products that made the baked goods of their own. They worked hard, they did homework to make the money to do it. I was like, this is incredible. How do you get kids to do those? I looked at my boys and said, boys, you are underperforming. We've got to get our acts together. But it didn't take long before I realised what was happening, why these girls were the way they were. Because the whole segment was actually about their parents. These parents were incredible people. Every single Saturday night, this family opened up their doors to the community. And they fed not five or 10, but 50 to 60 strangers, friends, family, neighbours, anybody that wanted to come could come and have a meal. And as these family began to share of why they did it and how much joy it brought to them, I realised that these daughters weren't just a random byproduct of their own goodness, but actually it was just daughters that were reflecting the culture of the house. Daughters that were taught by the generosity of the mum and the dad. In fact, at one point, the TV reporter asked the mum, what's your dream? What would you love to do? And I was thinking, man, maybe it was get the home renovations that they were, go on a holiday. She said, you know what I'd love? I'd love to provide hair pieces to mums and women that are going through chemotherapy. It was a beautiful moment, but it's just a moment that reflected this couple's heart, these parents' heart. At the same time, I've looked at the world in which we lived and seen the state of anger and anxiety and fear, violence. I've seen people breaking families apart. And I've thought to myself, the same thought I've had about these girls, how did we get here? But the reality is it doesn't happen by accident. It happens by design. Today, I want to talk about how God wants to bless you by design. In fact, I want to contrast two covenants, two incredible covenants that God Himself spoke to two fathers. Two fathers about who they are and who they're raising. Two covenants that I believe will speak straight to us as not only parents, but as connect leaders, as leaders in our home, as business owners, 
wherever you are, because our job as followers of Jesus is to be generational thinkers, is to think how is my world impacting on the people that are to come. So let's have a read of Genesis chapter 22. This is a covenant that God made to a man called Abraham. Abraham is known as the father of faith, a godly man. And it says this, blessing, I will bless you. This is God Himself speaking to Abraham. What a great opening line. Blessing, I will bless you. And multiplying, I will multiply your descendants as the stars of the heaven and as the sand which is on the seashore. And your descendants shall possess the gates of their enemy and in your seed, all the nations shall of the earth shall be blessed because you have obeyed my voice. How amazing is that? That God says to Abraham, man, I'm going to bless you in such a way that one blessing isn't enough. I'm going to bless your blessing and I'm going to multiply your multiplication. I can't help but get excited when God speaks like that. It's like whatever you think, whatever you imagine, multiply it. On the other hand, we have a covenant that God made with a man called Eli. Eli was a priest in God's house. You're talking about a man with great honour and position to serve God. But listen to the covenant that God made to this man. It says, Therefore the Lord God of Israel says, I said indeed that your house and your father's house, the house of your father, would walk before me. But now the Lord says, Far be it from me. For those who honour me, I will honour. And those who despise me, I shall lightly esteem. Behold, the days are coming that when I will cut off the arm and the arm of your father's house, so there will be no old men in your house and you will see an enemy in my dwelling place. Despite all the good that God does for Israel, there shall not be an old man in your house. How incredible is that? You, you see the generational aspect of God in both of these covenants. One, I'm going to multiply you and your descendants. The other one, I had a plan for that. I had a plan for your father's house, your, fa- your house and your children's house. And it was to bless you. But you've done something in your world. You've done something with your attitudes and your actions that it says, far be it from me. I, I, I can't bless that type of action, motivation. I, I, I can't get involved in that. I was thinking, how is it that two covenants from the same God to two fathers were so contrasting? How did they get there? Because whatever Abraham did, man, I want to do. Whatever his story is, I, I pray that it's my story. I pray that it's your story as a father, as a mother, as a connect leader, as a business owner. I pray that that's the covenant that God speaks over to you. But on the other hand, whatever Eli did, man, let's take that as a warning sign. Don't go there. Don't be that person. But the brilliant thing about the Word of God, it's not a mystery how these men got to where they are. In fact, in the very preceding verses in Genesis chapter 22, verse 15, it says, Then the angel of the Lord called Abraham a second time out of heaven. And he says, By myself, I have sworn, saying, says the Lord, because you have done this thing. What was the thing that caused the covenant? You have not withheld your son from me, your only son. 
So here God says, the premise of the promise is that you have not withheld the thing that you love the most. See, this son wasn't just a son. I mean, that would have been enough. But in actual fact, God said to Abraham, I will make you the father of many nations. I will make your name great. And yet he offers up his only son. How ironic is that? I'm going to make you a father. And the way I'm going to do that is take away your ability to be a father. But God says, you know what? That type of faith, I can bless. But let's have a look at the premise of Eli's promise. It says in 1 Samuel chapter 2, 29, it says, why do you kick at my sacrifices and my offerings which I have commanded in my dwelling place and honour your sons more than me to make yourselves fat with the best of all the offerings of Israel, my people. So, so the premise of Abraham's promise is you have not kept your son from me. You gave your son to me. The premise of Eli's promise is, man, you kept it from me. You, you, you honoured your son. You, you did something with your sons that caused you to elevate them above me. The reality was Eli had raised his sons to be wicked. In fact, that's what the Scripture says in, in the NIV version. It says that Eli's sons, God says Eli's sons were scoundrels. They were wicked in his sight. What, what, what were they doing that was wicked? They were taking of the sacrifice that belonged to God. See, the Israelites brought sacrifices into the house of the Lord all the time. They would bring their best and they would sacrifice it to God as part of the process of redemption, part of the process of blessing. This was a, this was a sacred moment and I can't help but think about our church services and connect groups. As people bring their sacrifice, people practice and they begin to prepare and they lift up hands and and they, they begin to pour their heart and their soul into this sacred moment, whether you're in a lounge room, it's a sacred moment. People have prepared food and, and created an atmosphere of honour and worship. And this was the same atmosphere and honour that was meant to be in the house of God. But Eli taught his sons to be casual with it, to be flippant with it. Bible says that when the priests served in the house, they could partake of the sacrifice. It's a very strict process. They would take a, a big fork and after the sacrifice was burnt first and the meat would then be boiled, God says priests can take, they could plunge a fork into this sacrifice and as they pulled it out, whatever meat clung to the fork, they could keep. But the Bible says that Eli's sons worked out that when they put the fork in, they could take the whole sacrifice. See, that wasn't God's intent. The God's intent was that you would be able to take provision from it, but not the sacrifice. But see, Eli didn't correct his sons. Eli didn't say to his sons, hey, that's, that's something of worth, of reverence and honour. I think what Eli either did was turned a blind eye or joined in. But he became so casual 
Eli and his sons with the sacrifice that they thought, you know what, we don't need to go through the process of burning the fat and boiling the meat. We don't even like boiled meat. Just give us the sacrifice as they would bring it in. They would steal the sacrifice from people, preventing them from honouring God with it, but then honouring themselves. They took the meat and instead of going through the process, they chucked it on the barbie and invited some mates over it. Dishonoured God, dishonoured the process, dishonoured the reverence and the holiness that this sacrifice was meant to be. But it didn't stop there. See, once you start that culture in your house, it doesn't take long before you're not just taking things as a commodity, they began to take people as a commodity. It says that Eli's sons slept with the people, slept with the women that served in the house. And I couldn't help but think, God, how is it that two sons that grew up in the presence of God, grew up with the teaching of His Word, grew up with the statutes and the covenants and the stories of Moses, and grew up with all of these incredible God moments, became so casual with what was, what was meant to be sacred. At the same time, Abraham raised his sons very different. Scripture teaches us that there's a moment where God speaks to Abraham and says, I want you to sacrifice your son, the son of covenant, the son of promise. So Abraham takes his son Isaac up to a mountain. Obedient, sensitive to God, listening to his voice. I'm sure internally there's a battle going on because when we sacrifice something of worth, it costs us something. I can't imagine a greater cost than Abraham laying down his only son to please God, to honour God, to be obedient to God. So Abraham loads up Isaac with the sticks and the rope that would bind the sacrifice and loads him up with the knife that is going to kill the sacrifice, but doesn't tell Isaac, you're going to be the sacrifice. But halfway up, Isaac kind of twigs. Wait a minute. I'm carrying all the stuff for the sacrifice. I don't see the sacrifice. So he asks his dad, dad, where's the sacrifice? And Abraham's response speaks of the character. He says, don't worry, God will provide the sacrifice. For Isaac, that's enough. But he gets to the top of the hill and of course, Isaac becomes a sacrifice. Abraham lays him down, binds him. And he's about to plunge the knife in to create the sacrifice and God stays his hand and says, the fact that you didn't withhold from me, I'm gonna bless you. But I was thinking about this, but yet Isaac is willing to be the sacrifice to lay himself on this altar and allow his father to present him back to God. I'm like, how is it that one father, Eli, raised his children to take the sacrifice and another father raised his children to be the sacrifice? Like the Scripture says, there's, there's no mystery. In fact, there's some cultures that were permeating in those families all of their life. Abraham had a culture of sensitivity to God. In fact, Scripture teaches us that Abraham heard from God in visions. There was no reason for Isaac not to trust his dad because he knew that 
that Abraham was a, was a man that was sensitive to God, that, that heard from God, that had a prayer life and worshipped and lent in when the preaching was preached, when, lent in when the Word was being spoken. There was, there was no separation. So when he says, God said, Abraham and Isaac both believed it with all the intent of their heart. I wonder how many of us as Connect leaders, as, as fathers and mothers, our family, our community can say when they speak, they speak because they've heard from God. On the other hand, Eli, Eli had become cynical, cynical of other people, cynical of their motives, cynical of their intent. And the tragedy is I see that in church when, when people come in and they sit as far back as they can or they come in late and they leave early. Why? Because there's a separation between what God wants for them and what they're willing to receive. Eli had become so disconnected to God that when a lady in the presence, his presence cried out to God, he missed it. Not only that, Everybody else seemed to be hearing from God around him. A young boy called Samuel was hearing from God. Hannah was hearing from God. When God wanted to speak to Eli directly, he had to speak through another man of God to speak to the supposed man of God. I'm like, God, how is it that you could be in the house of the Lord all your days and become so disconnected because God can't move past your cynicism. He can't break down that wall that you've built up. And what we don't realise is as, as we're allowing that cynicism to raise our next generation of disciples, our next generations of sons and daughters are listening to our conversation on the way to church or on the way home. They're listening to the conversation at the end of Connect Group or as a Connect Group or as a community. And they're listening for people that are authentic, people that are sensitive to God. What are they picking up in our culture? Is it, is it a culture of, of cynicism or sensitiveness? The next thing I noticed about Abraham was that he was submitted. God, whatever you want, whatever it costs me, even if it costs me the promise that you gave me, if you gave me it to start with, you gave me this son, why would I take it and keep it as my own when it belongs to you? Why would I do that? in a way that, that makes it about me, that stops the blessing just for me. And so he hands it back. Eli, on the other hand, was calculated. He was calculated in what he would do and when he would do it. He used his position to get provision. And he taught his sons, man, if you could work the right angle, if you could do the right thing, you could take, take, take and make it all about you. Abraham, Sacrificial. Eli, calculated. The last thing I noticed about the cultures is that Abraham was sacrificial. Eli was entitled. He created a culture of entitlement. Abraham was willing to sacrifice and not only him be the sacrifice, but taught his sons, just like these girls at the start. The father and the mother taught their son, they taught their daughters to be generous, generous in everything. Even if it costs you, it's worth it. And the culture in Abraham's life, please God. See, I think that's the irony of parenting, isn't it? The irony of parenting is that we try to give our kids everything that we didn't have. Trying to make sure that they don't have to fight in the way that we fought. Trying to make sure that their path is easier than our path 
But yet God is saying, hey, I'm looking for a sacrifice. I'm looking for something that I can bless. I close with, there's a man in our campus, his name's Reenie, incredible man. And he came to myself after conference last year. And he said to me, Mark, um, God told me that I need to work for the church. I was like, wow, that's amazing. He said, yeah, I'm a businessman and I've got a business. And when God told me, I said to God, oh, no worries. I'll work in my business for five days a week and I'll give you whatever's left over. God said, no, no, that's not how it works. He says, you'll give me your best and whatever you've got left over, you give to your business. And I was, honestly, I, I was a bit taken back by this. And I said to Rini, Rini, what does that mean? He goes, no, 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 you don't understand. You tell me what that means. In other words, I'll sign the cheque, you fill in the amount. Whatever it looks like, I've already said yes to. So I said, Rini, we've just launched a new campus at Midland and, and Pastor Phil, who was overseeing our connect groups and pastorally caring for so much of our campus. He's, he's gone. And so he's left behind this, this big gap. And I need somebody Looks like four days a week, every Monday, every Tuesday, every Wednesday. Looks like all day Sunday. That's what we need. We need somebody to carry the weight. We need somebody to care. We need somebody to be here. And he said, no no worries, Pastor Mark. Whatever that looks like, I say yes to. So from that next Monday, Rini rocks up in my office. Here I am, nine o'clock to five o'clock. Tuesday, nine o'clock to five o'clock, making calls working on our pastoral care systems, growing our connect groups Wednesday. And to this day, every Sunday, he gets there. Now, Rini is a highly educated businessman. He rocks up at seven o'clock in the morning with old jeans and an old T-shirt and begins to blow a vac and sweep our car parks, weed our garden beds, set out chairs. Why? Because he's willing to just present himself as a sacrifice to God and say, God, this is yours. You gave me everything. Why would I hold everything, anything back? Well, the good news is Rini's business that he now works two days a week in is healthier, stronger and more profitable than it's ever been. Why? Because two days in God's hands is so much better than five days in our own hands. Better is one day in your court than a thousand elsewhere. What God can do with a moment of sacrifice and pour out His Spirit. And it gives me so much joy to hear how His business and His family is flourishing. But His business isn't the best thing about Rini's testimony and his story. It's the impact that it's had on his kids. Every single one of his kids is in the house. Every single one of his kids honours the house. They serve. They're the first ones here and they're the last ones to leave. In fact, Marnon, his son, drives 35 minutes past the campus that's just around the corner and drives further on because that's where the sacrifice needs to be. That's where the need is. And I look at their lives and what Rini has trained into his children is, if you want to be blessed, be the sacrifice. If you want God to honour you, Be the one that gives it back to Him. And I pray wherever you are, as parents, as connect leaders, as as leaders in the community, that we raise generations that will lay themselves down, give them everything 
give everything to God so that God can pour His Spirit out. So this is what I want us to do as we close. If you're with your husband or your wife, is if you're with your sons and your daughters as a family, I want you to hold each other's hands because I'm going to lead us in a prayer of dedication today. Because I know God is looking to give that same covenant that He gave to Abraham to a group of people that will simply be the sacrifice. Maybe you're single and you're standing by yourself. This isn't a a story about parents. This is a story about discipleship. This is a story about sacrifice. So whoever you are, wherever you are, maybe you're in an old people's home, maybe you're standing by yourself or in in a community auditorium, whatever it looks like to you, I just want you to stand to your feet. I wanna lead us in a moment of prayer. Heavenly Father, I thank You that You gave everything to us. And I just ask that all across the nations of this earth, every person listening to my voice, let the reality of God just invade their space. Where we have withheld from You, where we have become cynical or calculated or even entitled, we repent of those things. Where we've tried to protect our next generation from the fight, thinking that we've done them a service where we've really protected them from the blessing. I pray that you would give parents the strength to make a stand. Lord, that homes and connect groups and our church all across the world would be known as people that are sensitive to your voice, that are submitted to your ways and are sacrificial in our ways. Let it be contagious. Let it overflow in every single aspect of who we are from the songs that we sing to the places that we serve to the homes that we run. I invite you just to lift up your hands as we begin to worship here. God, if you will bring the fire, I will bring the sacrifice. Let that be our prayer. Let that be our song. Come on, wherever you are, lift up your hands so high. Let the people around you see the sacrifice of worship. Let them see your heart's desperation. Let God look down on a people that are desperate for Him, desperate to return the very things that He gave them. In your holy name, amen. Thanks for listening to this week's message. If you have never entered into a relationship with Jesus, we want you to know that He loves you very much. So much that He died on the cross for all of your sins that stood between you and God. If you would like to make a decision to follow Jesus today, all you need to do is to repeat this prayer. Dear God, I come to you in the name of Jesus. I admit that I'm not right with you and I want to be right with you. I ask you to forgive me of all of my sins. I believe with my heart and confess with my mouth that Jesus is the Lord and Savior of my life. Thank you for saving me and making me your child. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. If you prayed that prayer for the first time, or if God has done anything in your life because of this podcast, we would love to know. Email us at testimony at kingdomcity.com.